everybody welcome to pretty scary pretty scary <laughs> like, a, I like that. what i did you, you sounded like stevie nicks i've been waiting for a long time to be able to do my goat impression on pretty scary and today's the day folks i don't know shit about baseball but i got one good impression of an animal and it's a goat and i feel like that's important today you don't need to know about baseball to enjoy today's episode, you just have to believe in curses. I should introduce myself. I'm Adam Todd Brown. That was Caitlin Cut, who is here all the time. And we have a guest this week, my co-host on the Unpops Network show Pod the Life, which is a podcast about the band Corn. Better than it sounds, I promise. Andy Sell is here. Hey. Hi. Hello. Hello. I like ah. I like that we're starting to do more cross pollinization in our uh, little network here. This is meaningful to me. I'm a family gal. I like this feeling. And again, I'm excited about the goat impression. It was a very good goat impression, and we are talking today about the curse of the Billy Goat, which is a real thing. It's a thing I lived through. It's a thing Andy lived through. Caitlin can't understand. They will never understand, man. You know, I have a lot of appreciation for fan culture around sports because it's the one fan culture that I can stomach. It's the other fan culture that makes me insane. Like all the other ones make me. Oh, wow. Okay. But sports, it's like, I get it, especially since, you know, you grow up with a team and this is me just throwing things out there because I am not one of them, but. It's like, oh, and the Cubs, especially to me, like I, I had a, I had a comedy show the night of the world series that the Cubs were playing. And it was maybe one of the most embattled stand-up experiences you could have imagined yeah. <laughs> as, a yeah. as a stand-up comedian. And it was like, I get it. And I actually walked up to the guy that was running the show and I was like, we shouldn't be doing this. Absolutely not. Yeah. I want names. This, this is <laughs> actual history right now yeah. and i don't even the, the the most emotional i've ever gotten about sports is you know the a league of their own and, <laughs> and so it's like i get it like we all need to shut up right now like let let the people watch this thing happening anyway so i, I got really excited because i feel like i love curses so much and adam loves the cubs so much this is the this is the best episode this is great yeah, the, the curse of the Billy Goat is the name of the curse that was placed on the Chicago Cubs that prevented them from winning a World Series for a total of 108 years. I mean, th- they didn't win a World Series for a total of 108 years, but I think, I don't think you can put it all, that only 60 some years of that is on the curse. The rest of well, it is like free curse. Well, yeah, that's why I said a total. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 108 years. The curse itself wasn't put in place until 1945. Yeah, I just want to make sure, because there's a lot of culpability to uh I understand. To the curse. Yeah, I ran okay. these notes past our legal team before. Good, 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 good. I just don't want to be... I don't want to be. I don't. I don't know if it's legally actionable, but I don't want to be held accountable for uh, for like assigning blame. Let me tell you something. 
about our legal team, okay? <laughs> There's 17 of them. They're all volunteer. It's like the ACLU, but for podcasts. They're all they're all here out of the goodness of their heart, and they're all Cubs fans. So, you know, like they, they just want this to be real and right. And And on that note, may I just simply say that the origin story of this curse is fucking batshit <laughs> insane. It is pretty fucking amazing, and it really harkens back to a whole different world. A world where a man would think bringing his pet goat to a World Series game wasn't weird at all. This starts with someone engaging in wildly antisocial behavior. Just right off the right off the gate, that's what we got. I can't think of a more aggressive pet. <laughs> You're gonna bring the animal that's famous for eating everything around it? into a baseball game it's the most annoying animal aside from chickens it is the most i mean goats are i mean i like the pictures of the ones that are like on the side of the mountain i'm like okay that is a special skill those goats have but if we're talking about illinois goats which is what we're talking about this is not some exotic imported goat this is a fucking petting zoo pet goat that someone brought to a baseball diamond, which I will say now, not then, now when you are trying to get into the seats of a baseball uh, situation, it's terrifying and you should be a goat. But back then it makes even less sense. Yeah. Goats are mean, obnoxious animals with a reputation for biting and kicking and, and eating everything. I've been personally butted by four goats. <laughs> I've been I, butted by a goat also. What I, assholes? <laughs> I went to a, a corn maze scenario the, on the day of game seven. Horrifying. In 2016. And I, I took a photo of me flipping off a baby goat at the petting zoo part of the corn maze area. I get it. And I, I immediately was like, I shouldn't post this. I yeah. shouldn't put game. What am I thinking? Game seven is tonight, but I, I did it. And I, Maybe. and I, I had a, an inner dilemma about the entire scenario before the game. And I was in my thirties. Like, well, that's, <laughs> that's the thing. When I say this curse was real, like if you were a Cubs fan, it wasn't just that, Oh no, we keep losing. There would be a moment. Yeah. Be it yeah. in a season or in a game where one weird thing would happen or one mm-hmm. truly unfortunate thing would happen and you'd just be like, here we go. It's yep. fucking over. Yep. Yep. And it would always be over. And it, Every never, time. it never went away. And no. Here's it's- the thing. I, I feel like we, on Pretty Scary, talk a lot about the power of collective consciousness. Yeah, I have that at the end of the notes. It's but so, let's talk so about it right. now. <laughs> yeah, we could we could talk about thought forms or tulpas or god forms. You know, um, like there's... well, actually, you're we really should because I feel like now we have we have kept people on the edge of their tiny, <laughs> uncomfortable baseball stadium seats long enough. Let's talk about the origin story. The actual curse. I yeah. read it and had to reread it because. I don't know what's less believable. The the idea of curses working or the origin story that definitely happened for this thing. 
It it happened on October 6, 1945. The guy's name was Billy Cianis. That's the guy who decided, well, for one thing, he was the owner of the nearby Billy Goat Tavern. He buys two tickets to see the Cubs play the Detroit Tigers in the World Series at Wrigley Field. And that second ticket is for his pet goat, Murphy. So he shows up at the stadium with Murphy in tow, and one of two things happens. Either he's turned away immediately for bringing a goat to a baseball game. Yeah, that's. I feel like that's the more likely thing, because I feel like that's just always the way it should be. Oh, you brought a goat here? You are going home. It's, I just want to, I think the important thing to remember, too, is this is still the part in America where you can mail babies. Sure. Okay. All right. Yeah, good so, point. Good so point. So that's how how much people hated goats even then. This, this might like, be, they might have let goats in, though. Like, this might be <laughs> how we got the no goat policy at America's ballparks. Right, because the, the other version of the story is that he got in with the goat but people complained so much about having to share their seat with a goat that he was eventually asked to leave. Oh, those Karens. Those Karens at Wrigley Field always complaining about goats. Fucking white privilege. Come I have, on. I have a true story. Remember a couple of years ago when there was somebody photographed in an airport that had a peacock for a, an emotional support animal? Do you remember yeah. that? So I was I was working, this was actually a long time ago, but I was, at the time, I was working as a leasing agent for an apartment building, and this couple comes in, and they were all talking about it, because it was like a way to get in a small chat, and literally the guy said, I don't mind the peacock, but if I see someone try to tell me that a goat is their emotional support animal, I'm going to know that it's bullshit. And I thought about that reading this, because he's right, that man was right. There is, can you imagine bringing a dog-sized animal around that could possibly charge at other people into a stadium? <laughs> no. Into a stadium. <laughs> no. Either way, Billy Cianis is highly offended. He leaves the stadium and on his way out, he yells, them Cubs, they ain't going to win no more. And it's 1945, so he said it exactly like that. Damn Cubs, they ain't going to win no more. And according to legend, he then went home and fired off a telegram to Cubs team owner Philip K. Wrigley that read, you are going to lose the World Series. You are never going to win another World Series again because you insulted my goat. That's how he lost his blue check mark on the telegram. <laughs> you, at, you at Wrigley Field, you're going to, Jack's going to take that blue check away. So here's the thing. At that point, the Cubs were up two games in the World Series, but they went on to lose that game, game four, and eventually the series in general. And then it just got so much more worse <laughs> from there for years and years and years. Andy, how many of these, uh, do you remember the 84? Yeah, I don't remember the 84. I would have been four years old. There are a lot of incidents tied to this curse. And Can I ask a question? Yes. What are the odds that in order to really make sure this this curse really stuck, what are the odds that he just then sacrificed the goat? Just to, I feel like goats get sacrificed a lot in relation to curses. Just wanted to get your feeling on that. It's worth exploring. Yeah, there is. There's at least definitely a, the poetic theme of the scapegoat at work here as well. Yeah, so... I, I just feel like there are so many avenues to explore 
in the ways that this man, because this, I, I feel like I keep trying to think about the psychology of a total shit bag that brings a goat, a goat. Anyway. <laughs> this is the thing I can't get away from. So I think, I think Billy Sianis, if you were alive today, not wearing a mask, he's not wearing a mask, but no the way. goat is the goat is. Yeah. <laughs> so if we've got a man who, I mean, just, you know, I'm just kind of throwing things out there clearly has some mommy issues, right? He didn't get a lot of attention growing up. That's why he's insisting because there's nobody in 1945 empathizing or making the effort to understand a person who has made friends with a goat. That's not the world Billy's living in. No, he's a dick. Yeah. Again, it's, it's clearly antisocial behavior and then trying to bring the goat other places. Like, I mean, this dude, I, my theory is that he knew what was going to happen to him. You know what I mean? He knew he was going to get thrown out for this. Um, exactly. Exactly. He, yeah. And he knew that he was going to, uh, like, he thought it was maybe, because he was a butcher, right? That's the deal. Or he owned a tavern. Owned a tavern called the it, Billy Goat Tavern. The Billy Goat Tavern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, a, that, and that's, there's there's a whole thing there, too, that, that we can cover. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, a, he owned the tavern. I was like, I was trying to remember if he owned the tavern originally. Uh, he was just trying to get business for his tavern right like that's right so alcoholic dickhead i'm just saying also <laughs> maybe a satanist i'm just that's all I just it's, wanted to- it's very possible because here's the thing curse worked and yep. if you're at home thinking oh okay there's no the curses aren't real we're gonna spend about the next four and a half hours going through the various incidents tied to this alleged curse and you just judge for yourself you went full Ken Burns with this. Full Ken Burns. The stuff that you, I cannot believe how deeply researched. I made sure my computer had a full battery because <laughs> I read all of your notes and was like, this is going to be a while. <laughs> but did you also get the feeling that this curse is real? Yes. Well, you, I mean, come on, shooting fish in a barrel with me with that question. Like, <laughs> I, I guess that's true. Let, I love a good curse. Let's talk about the first incident, which is the only one I was not alive for, which happened in 1969. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. September mm-hmm. 9th at Shea Stadium. This is the Cubs had been in first place the entire season. And by the time they get to this game, they have a one and a half game lead on the Mets, who they're playing at Shea Stadium. But they're also in the midst of a five-game losing streak, and they're trying to avoid losing their sixth game in a row. At one point during the game, a fucking black cat not only runs onto the field, but makes a beeline for the Chicago Cubs dugout, crosses in front of Ron Santo's path to the plate. He's in the on-deck circle waiting to hit. So it does what a black cat is supposed to do in that situation and curses Ron Santos path to where he's going and then turns and just stands in front of the Cubs dugout and (laughs) stares for a few seconds and then just runs off never to be held accountable for its actions. So much of this like has kind of like a J horror feel to it that like, I wonder, I want to like speak to the family of the Cubs from the 1969 team and see if they all like, reported if any of them reported seeing that cat on their deathbed like just sitting there staring at them again well and 69 is important 
nice. 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 Because that's the that's the summer of Charles Manson, I believe. It's when Brian Adams yeah. got his first real six string yeah. too. Right. Bought it at the five and dime. I remember that summer as well. <laughs> right? Yes. So I feel like in America also, nineteen sixty nine, there's like there are a couple things that go down that year where it's like, oh, this is it's like the end of the summer of love. Like mm-hmm. summer of love is dying like a hundred and fifty percent. You got you got the Sharon Tate shit going down, and now you've got a cat, which we all know cats have one paw in the afterlife. Nobody nobody with a brain is gonna argue that. No, absolutely not. Cats, they're magical. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So the idea of a cat running <laughs> the idea of a cat, any cat running onto a baseball diamond during a very big game. It's very weird. That is a very weird story. And we haven't even gotten to what happens next. The nope. Cubs, like I mentioned, were in first place the entire season. This is- they lose that game seven to one. Because of the cat. Because of the cat. And then they lose 18 of their final 27 games in September and October and don't even make the playoffs. They just complete. It is one of the most epic collapses in sports. Yeah, it's just history. a complete tank. the t- The Mets are the team that ends up winning that division. They are called the Miracle Mets because it took a fucking miracle for them to come back that hard. And it See? wasn't a miracle; it was a curse. It was a curse. It wasn't the Miracle Mets; it was the cursed Cubs. Yep. Two sides, same coin. I think about this a lot. Just saying. That's true. But the idea that if if something good happens somewhere, it means something. Uh, it has to subtract from something good somewhere else, like the very nature of uh, you know, the, the mana, as it were. Like, uh, great, great question. I think it's more just like how you look at something going down. You know, like a like a tsunami wiping out a town. Terrible. Yeah. Is it a hub for child pornography? Maybe the tsunami wiping out the town isn't the worst thing in the world to happen. True. Welcome welcome to Pretty Scary, Adam. There you go. Pretty yeah. scary boo. Pretty fucking scary boo. <laughs> we did it. We did it. We did it. Yeah. All right. Oh, I like Andy. I Let, <laughs> let's talk about another incident. This is the first one I was alive to see. This is this is one of the formative moments of my childhood. Ouch. I it is the first year I started watching sports, 1984. I was 8 and I was way 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 into the Cubs and they were great that year. It seemed like there was so much momentum behind the Cubs. It felt like we were going to the World Series. All we had to do back then in baseball was beat one team, and then you go to the World Series. We played the San Diego Padres. We had to win three games out of five. And first game, we put up 13 cursed goddamn runs and win in a blowout. 13! I come home from school and see that, and I'm like, we're going to the fucking World Series, baby. Then we win the second game. And it's like, okay, yeah, well, obviously, like, we're definitely not going to lose three games in a row now. So the Cubs lost three games in a row after that. And it wasn't just that they lost. It's the way they lost. First, this this is such a vivid memory for me. In game four, the Cubs are winning three to two in the bottom of the ninth inning. 
There's a runner on first base. Steve Garvey comes up to hit, and one of the announcers, it was a road game, so it wasn't Harry Carey. One of the announcers says something about tomorrow, and then he goes, if there is a tomorrow. Because if Lee Smith, who was pitching at the time, who's a fucking stud, if he just gets those two outs, the Cubs win, the Cubs go to the World Series. So this announcer says something about tomorrow and goes, if there is a tomorrow, Lee Smith throws a pitch. Steve Garvey hits a fucking walk-off home run, and the announcer goes, there is a tomorrow. I was like, oh, fuck. This sucks. And that's not even the, the crazy moment. What happens next, game five, the Cubs are winning three to nothing, and in the fifth inning, Ryan Sandberg, who is part of my personal triple crown of sports idols with Walter Payton and Michael Jordan. Rhino! Rhino! Fucking knocks over a cooler of Gatorade on accident in the dugout and soaks first baseman Leon Durham's glove in Gatorade. And every player has a backup glove, but for some reason, Leon Durham was like, I can get through this. It's fine. <laughs> so in the that same inning, Ryan Sandberg, for one thing, let's say line drive from Tony Gwynn, go off his glove for a double, and the score is now three to two. But then in the seventh inning, Leon Durham, who was such a solid first baseman, I think he won a couple golden gloves, really good, routine ground ball hit his direction just fucking goes through his legs like and because it goes through his legs the Padres tie the game they go on to score three more runs that inning the Cubs lose six to three and he's been asked since then if he thinks it's because his glove was literally waterlogged with Gatorade Gatorlogged (laughs) and he has said no but well and this is back in 1984, back when Gatorade was actually made of alligators. Also, so. it w- that was also back when no meant yes. Yeah, yep. True. That's yeah, so he point. was saying yes. It was because of the Gatorade. Yeah. The, the alligatorade is originally what it was known as. That's how it happened. So I got to ask you a question, just kind of coming from a perspective of, person, of, of a person that has no idea what golden gloves are or anything of that such. Uh, as you were describing it to me, it really felt like you were kind of describing like Final Destination when death moves things around in order to kill people in horrific and fantastic ways. Is that how it felt as a Cubs fan? That is that is how it felt. I don't think we found out about the Gatorade thing until later, though. But you knew in your heart's soul that something had happened. Well, I knew. Here's the thing. This was the first year I watched sports. So I wasn't familiar with the curse. And my dad was a Dodgers fan, like a fucking weirdo. This is so, we've talked about this before, haven't we? My dad's a Dodgers fan. I don't get it. I wasn't exposed to the curse side of the Cubs. Like I didn't have any family who was like, yeah, there's the Cubs curse. I was just an eight-year-old watching this and I was like, oh, well, that's a bummer. But also it was my first year watching sports and the Cubs almost went to the World Series. The Bears won a Super Bowl. The Bradley Braves went to the NCAA tournament. And I was like, oh man, being an Illinois sports fan is going to be great. (laughs) You idiot. (laughs) And then the next season, the Cubs started the 85 season by losing 13 games in a row. And And it's been mostly that. 
The only thing I know how to compare this feeling to is the fact that when I was a little girl, two things happened. I can't say back to back, but it was two, two years apart, but we had the Atlanta Olympics. And then after that, we had the winter Olympics and the Atlanta Olympics was in, was when Carrie Strug, like, like broke her ankle and there was like that that crazy like plant that she makes and then she collapses it was like all of that drama and america was like winning everything and then after that it was like the tanya harding stuff and the nancy kerrigan stuff with the figure skating and i just thought oh my god olympics are like the most interesting thing in the world and i'm gonna watch every time and i have never i've only been disappointed since then so that's the only thing <laughs> i, I because well, otherwise, it's just like people doing really well and they're like winning or losing. And there was that <laughs> bombing at the 96 Olympics, yeah, too. Yeah. So that made there it was extra bombing. cool. There was also there was like some other shit. There was something about like uh, like the runners. There was like a weird running controversy. There's a lot going on. And I was like, oh, my God, this is great. And actually, the first podcast, one of the first podcasts that Adam and I ever did was about the Brazil Olympics. Oh, Yeah. And chaos. how we're like, this is a horrible idea. I loved that episode. And it was like the beginning of our friendship. And it was really awesome. But anyway, I do know what it's like to be set up for an expectation uh, as an athletic viewer and then just be continuously disappointed. However, for me, it only happens every two years. Yeah, as a Cubs fan, it happened every year. It was just a matter of if it happened two months into the season or if they were really going to drag it out and build your hopes up. Yeah, I remember in 2015 being like, at one point, like, you know, I almost prefer the seasons where I'm out by June, you know? I almost prefer the seasons where, like, we, we're getting towards the end of May, and I'm like, well, I think I'm going to stop watching. Uh, I almost, You almost preferred those seasons. Um, yeah, it would be so fucking stressful. Because yeah. it's not that the Cubs were so bad during this entire span that they never got close. That's the problem. They got that is close. The problem. They got close several times. So many times. And then it wouldn't just be that they would lose. They would lose in just crippling fashion. Yeah. Like because, in, because of the goat. Because of the curse of the goat. Yeah. It happened again five years later in 1989. The Cubs, uh. Cubs played the San Francisco Giants. The Cubs were fucking great that year they won 93 games uh second best win total in the major leagues uh, amazing it's it's a lot uh they had four all-stars on the team ryan sandberg andre dawson rick sutcliffe mitch williams jerome walton one rookie of the year they had a young greg maddox in their Fucking pitching greg maddox greg maddox is a legend he's one of few Pitchers in Major League history to win 300 games, which that's a lot. That's a whole lot. That's that's a lot of games. I've never even watched that many of games. Yeah. yeah. And so Greg Maddox pitches game one, shits the bed right away. We get fucking blown out. We lose that game 11 to three. He ends up for the entire series pitching only seven innings and gets just fucking rocked the entire time. But we still managed to win game two, and the next three games were in San Francisco. So all we had to do was win one game, and the series would have gone back to Chicago for the last two games. And home field advantage is a good thing. But what happens instead, we go to San Francisco, 
every one of those three games, at some point, we were leading. And every one of those games, the bullpen just fucking melted down, which are relief pitchers who come in for the starting pitcher. We lost all three games in a row. Because of the GOAT. Because of the GOAT. And then uh, the World Series happens, and there's an earthquake during it. Right. Also because of the GOAT. That's a clearly connected to the GOAT. Yeah. So those are those are the ones that happened when I was a youth. Andy probably, who Andy's a little younger than me, you probably remember these next few. The next ones, yeah, the next ones are definitely clearer in my mind. Because, uh, I mean, 89, I was nine years old. I wasn't following. I mean, I think I played Little League around that time. and, and uh, But I wasn't, like, into sports sports. I was like a, you know... I was a nerd kid who was into, you know, sci-fi fantasy shit. Like, I wasn't super into uh, sports at the time. But I, I do remember those games being on in the house. I, uh, I re- and I remember the earthquake during the World Series. Uh, my idea at the time, I wasn't, I wasn't raised in sports as much. So I didn't get that you couldn't be a fan of both. I was like, I have an NL team, the Cubs, and an AL team, the Sox. Like, I'm... I like the I like the city of Chicago. I just love that city. And then uh, and then everyone told me uh, the error of my ways. Yeah, that's like being a Nirvana fan and a Guns N' Roses fan. You can't. I'm that too. So okay, no. Wait, uh, pick a side. I don't understand why you can't be both. Is this like being a Dodgers fan and an Angels fan? Is that the conversation? Yeah. 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 Pretty much. It's, it's a rivalry. It's a rivalry that, you know, tradition, macho, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, uh, I just, you have to pick a side. I just feel like as far as, and this is for, again, I mean, I've, I've shared my prowess already, but. Oh, do you not watch sports? Okay, but what I'm saying is, <laughs> oh. me, I understand the Dodgers-Angels thing because it's like, you're an Orange County person. I don't care if it's the Los Angeles Angels of Disneyland or whatever the fuck they're called. You're an Orange County person or you're an L.A. person or you're a Giants person. Like I get like that part. I understand. Well, it's because most most people have one team. That's what it boils down to. It's not it's not really that regional or anything like that. It's like the shocking thing about it is just most people just have one favorite well, team. but the rivalries do tend to then like take on ethnographic uh, parameters, and it becomes like a like in Chicago specifically with the with Sox and the and the Cubs. It's a lot of it's the North Side versus the South Side, and there's a lot of like class posturing involved. Uh, there's definitely some racial uh, connotations to it as well. Yeah, um, just like how the rivalry gets kind of blown out of proportion outside of the context of, of sports. As somebody from Orange County, uh, and especially now that the world has met Orange County, thanks to, <laughs> yeah. thanks to the Rona, I understand being like, no, 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 no. Like, I am not an Angels fan. I am, a, And I don't think it has anything. I just don't know. To me, it feels like it has nothing to do with sports apart from just being like, I'm, I, I've got a brand and I'm going to maintain it. But yeah, most places have one team for a sport, right? I mean, California's weird. Well, yeah. Chicago's got two for, I mean, New York's got a lot of twos. Texas um, has, uh, I mean, some, there are states that have more than one team and Chicago, yeah. New York, and LA in a lot of sports have more than one team. But yeah. how many teams have a curse? Several. Several. Uh, the Red Sox. The Red Sox broke their curse in 2004. That was yeah. the curse of the Bambino. 
Cleveland's curse, which is just the curse of change your fucking mascot and name already. Yeah, and just the fact that they're in Cleveland. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the curse of Cleveland really yeah. is what yeah. it is. Yeah, I, I feel like there's a similar curse to the court, the curse of Omaha, the curse of Barstow. It seems like there should just be a curse connected to being from those places. Oh, Omaha is yeah. great. Omaha's, is it? Omaha's fucking amazing. Omaha, Omaha is pretty great, actually. <laughs> yeah. I do love August and Everything After. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. And that, that does make it to that <laughs> album. So just putting it. So, so Andy, let's get back to this. So you're, you're, you're blossoming. You're in the prime. You're in the, 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 the spring of your sporting uh, fanship life. And you've, you've uh, committed to the Cubs. You know, this is your team. And now, yeah. much like... Adam, you have set yourself up for many, many years of disappointment because oh, yeah. of, because of a goat. Because of a goat. Um, because of a because of a cat. Yep. Yeah. Because of a very social antisocial man. The the next four incidents we can all lump into one thing that I call the four the sweeps. sweeps yeah. Which a sweep for people who don't watch sports means you lose all the games. If it's a best of five series. You lose three games and you're done. If it's best of seven, you lose all four and you're done. That's a sweep. Cubs got swept four fucking times between 1998 and 2015. The the one the two that stand out for me are 98 and 2015. Yeah, yeah, those are the big ones. 98 because that's also the year Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire were battling it out for the single season home run record. Great documentary on ESPN about that that just premiered a couple weeks ago. I remember that. I yeah. do remember that. Yeah, that was fun. And it, yeah, it's kind of the moment that brought baseball back because there had been this labor strike and people, Yeah, it's kind of a myth that people stopped watching, but that was the perception. But this home run battle brings baseball back to being a thing people care about. And not only that, the Cubs were really good, and they managed to... Sammy Sosa won the MVP. He didn't break the single-season home run record, but the Cubs won a tiebreaker to make it to the playoffs, which is very out of character for the Cubs. Brad? <laughs> yeah, we don't do so well with tiebreakers. Yeah, so it felt like, all right, here we go. The Cubs got some momentum behind them, and then we promptly lost three games in a row to the Atlanta Braves season over that shit hurt like that was fucking crushing and then basically the same thing happened in 2007 and 2008 and 2015 but 2015 i remember one because it's so recent obviously but also i was so confident the cubs were going to go to the world series me too i almost pulled the trigger on buying a 300 dollar seat to watch one of the games from a rooftop across the stadium and this would have been in chicago in october that would have been the most unpleasant shit and the cubs got swept in that series not only got swept but put up a record low batting average of 164 it was pathetic it was a pathetic series and they had swept the mets in the regular season yeah well that was the thing we all went into that series talking big because we'd swept them in the regular season it was like the Mets, get the fuck out of here. Who cares? We got this. It was like, we are definitely going to the World Series. And well, no. we, had, we had just come up off that, the win against uh, St. Louis. In St. Louis, the thing about magical thinking and sports, 
Yes. <laughs> like all sports fans are superstitious, right? Like it's always, there's always portent and omens in things. And there, but the Cubs fans are a special breed. And it's very difficult. I've found to explain this to other sports fans who are not Cubs fans, um, just how weird we can get. And in this season, I, yeah, I'm with you, Adam. I was like, we're going to the fucking world series. We got it like first year with, uh, uh, sorry, second year at the time with um, Epstein, right, and and Joe Madden, and it was just that ball on top of the scoreboard, beating St. Louis and St. Louis. It was just like, oh, we got World Series. We're coming. Wait, wait, tell me about the ball on the scoreboard. I don't know what this is. This sounds awesome. So somebody hit a ball and it just landed pleasantly on top of a scoreboard and it stayed there. Yeah. Yeah, Kyle, Kyle Schwarber, who, oh, man, the whole 2016 thing, we're not even going to get into 2016, I'm sure, because... No, we will. I mean, we will, because that's when the curse was broken, finally. But uh, there's so much there with Kyle Schwarber, too. But Kyle Schwarber hitting that home run and it landing on top of the score scoreboard was, to me, kind of like, it's so stupid, but it was like, we got it. We got it. That's, 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 that's magic right there. It did. It felt different. Like, it felt like, all right, this... There's no such thing as a curse. We've just yeah. fucking had had a few problems, and now, like, we swept the Mets in the regular season. We're not going to lose to the Mets. Obviously, yeah. we're going to the World Series. Yeah. And, oh, my God, those four games were so painful. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk about one last incident. This is the defining moment of the curse of the Billy Goat, I would argue. There are, at minimum, two documentaries about this one incident, and they're both great. There's an ESPN 30 for 30 documentary called, is it called Catching Hell? Yeah, Catching Hell. It's so good. And there's also, this is how good things looked for the Cubs going into 2003, there is a documentary from that season where this filmmaker basically was like, this is the year we're going to the World Series. I'm going to document the whole thing. So he was actually at the game where the Steve Bartman incident happens, filming a documentary. And that is a heartbreaking documentary, too, because you get to see the Cubs fans faces after this happens in just the the doom and gloom on those faces. It is a palpable sense of defeat. And the series wasn't even over. There was a whole other game. There was yeah. still time to go in the game, and everyone was just like, it's, it didn't it's matter. Done. You know, it didn't matter. Like, so what happened? Yeah. The Steve Bartman incident. The, the Cubs are, it's the 2003 National League Championship Series, which is the, the series that determines who goes to the World Series. Got it. The... Cubs took a three games to two lead in the series, meaning they only had to win one more game and then they advanced to the World Series. Going into the eighth inning of game six, the Cubs are winning three to nothing. Mark Pryor is pitching and he's on fire. 
just he's given up three hits the entire game, which that's good. That's, that I even, yep. And then, oh my God, with one out, the batter at the plate is Luis Castillo. He's got a full count. That means three balls, two strikes, and three strikes you're out. Everyone knows that. He hits a pop up toward the left field stands. And it looks like it's going to be a foul ball, meaning it's going to go into the stands, but just enough that maybe Cubs left fielder Moises Alou can catch it. So he runs over to the wall, jumps to try and catch the ball, and as he does that, several fans, which is an important point, several fans reach for the ball, but one fan actually makes contact with the ball. That's a man named Steve Bartman. He deflects the ball. Moises Alou is not able to catch it, which had he caught the ball, Luis Castillo would have been out. There would have been two outs, and we would have been that much closer to winning the game. Instead, Steve Bartman knocks the ball away from Moises Alou. Moises Alou snaps. He throws his glove on the ground, demands that the umpire call Luis Castillo out for fan interference, but they decide the ball went into the stands, so they can't call fan interference and I was watching this game live and that was the moment when that happened I was like here we go we're gonna lose this fucking game and that inning is one of the craziest things I've ever seen because from that moment first Castillo reaches first base on a walk which is also a wild pitch which allows the other runner to advance to third the next batter hits a ground ball to Alex Gonzalez, who is the Cubs. He was the second baseman, right? Or was he shortstop? Whatever. So what happens next is this ground ball gets hit to Alex Gonzalez. And had he just done his job and fielded that ball, it probably would have been a double play, which is two outs. Inning over, Cubs are still winning three to nothing. And he just drops it. And now the bases are loaded and there's still only one out. The next batter, Mark Pryor has him down 0-2 in the count, which means two strikes, no balls. So one more strike, and he's out. And instead, that guy hits a fucking double that (laughs) clears the bases. From there, it just turns into chaos. The Marlins score eight fucking runs in that inning. The inning finally ends when Luis Castillo comes back up to bat again. They went through the entire lineup in this inning. Luis Castillo comes up to bat again and pops out to second base. But by that point, it was 8-3, to and I don't think there was a single Cubs fan in America who thought we had a chance of winning that game or the next game. No, there was nobody that was like, oh, we're going to get five runs now. Don't worry. Nobody. That was on no one's mind. That was on. Because the thing is, too, is that, like, I could, you could say all you want. Like, oh, we thought we were done. We thought it was over. Like, there's still always that part in a Cubs fan's brain, the doom center, right? It's just like, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Like, this could go wrong at any second. But it does. The opposite doesn't exist. There's never any kind of, like, hope no (laughs) there's there's never any hope so you're saying like as a cubs fan there is like a very sensitive kill switch yeah where once that gets flipped cubs fans everywhere completely lose hope 
And that means the team is not receiving any of that good energy. And the team probably feels it when that happens. I yeah. bet. And, and like for all you can say about Bartman, you know, getting the blame for, for, for the Cubs mistake, it's like nobody thought they were going to win the next game. Right. Yeah, that's like, the thing. The series wasn't even over. That game wasn't over. There were two innings left in the game. Yeah. But then there was still game seven. And even when we were winning game seven, which we were leading in game seven at one point, I was yeah, like, yeah, early. I was like, fuck, we're not going to win. Like, I don't give a fuck that we're winning. We are not <laughs> going to win this goddamn game. There's no way in hell after what happened in game six that we're just going to come back and win. No, like the series ended that inning. And sure enough, we fucking lost again. And it wrecked Steve Bartman's life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it ruined his life. He had to be escorted out of the stadium by security, all while being pelted with beers and sodas and popcorn. Uh, He had to change his phone number because he was getting threatening phone calls. And (laughs) he was doxxed immediately after the game on Major League Baseball message boards. Police had to set up a perimeter around his house to keep him safe. Fucking Rod Blagojevich said he should enter witness protection. Well, before he, uh, you know, sold a Senate Senate seat. Yeah. Uh, And it really, like, this guy was a lifelong Cubs fan. when When a corrupt Illinois politician is telling you to get into witness protection... It means something. I want this movie. I want Steven Soderbergh to make that movie now. Now I'm I'm ready for that. Or even Clint Eastwood. I bet Clint Eastwood would take like a very victimized standpoint uh, perspective and make a great movie about this this guy who fucked up the game. Here's the thing. I don't think Steve Bartman would let it happen. He wouldn't. He's he's he is over it. Like he's still a Cubs fan, but like he's been offered Super Bowl commercials. Someone offered him $25,000 just to sign a picture from that night. Uh, endorsements, right? He's been offered endorsements that he's turned he's down. Been offered endorsements. The Cubs have offered to bring him back to Wrigley Field as like a VIP. And he's just like, he won't do it. Nope. That sounds like a terrible idea. Yeah. It's, it's funny to, to talk about like, you know, as a Cubs fan, oh, the Cubs have fucked me over. My whole life, you know, the Cubs, the Cubs have ruined my life or whatever, but like they actively destroy, and not even the Cubs, the Cub fandom destroyed this man's life to a point like, and he loved the Cubs. He was a huge Cubs fan. Yeah. He adored the Cubs. They were his whole thing. I can't even imagine to have that taken away from you in a way and weaponized against you really like. Yeah. The, the documentary about this incident, the catching hell documentary I would encourage people to watch it. It's intense. Yeah. And the goat, the goat ruined this guy's life. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, all of this is just the goat's fault. And another fascinating aspect of this curse, it didn't just impact the Cubs. There was also something called the X cub factor. And this is where we get into the really J horror stuff. Like this is where it feels like there's a pathology to it. Like it feels like a, the contagion of the curse in Juwan, where it's yeah. like, if you know someone that went into that house, you're going to die. Like It's like the, fu- yeah, it's like the fucking ring. Yeah. This is my favorite part of your notes. This was a theory developed in 1981 by freelance journalist Ron Burler. And the theory is really simple. 
it is utterly impossible for a team with three or more ex-Cubs to win the World Series. In his original article, he cited a bunch of different examples, the 1958 Milwaukee Braves, the 1966, 77, and 78 LA Dodgers, the 1980 Kansas City Royals. The thing about that Dodgers team, which is also pointed out in his original article, they had three Cubs on their roster. They traded one of them away and immediately started playing much better. And then a few months after trading him away, they trade for another former Cub, Bill North, and their season immediately falls apart and they barely make the playoffs, then go on to lose in the World Series. He also, in that original article, which came out in 81, he was like, uh, yeah, the Yankees have too many Cubs on their roster. They are going to lose in the World Series to the Dodgers. And the Yankees were heavily favored in the 1981 World Series, and they fucking lost to the Dodgers. And there are so many other examples of teams. And there are a a couple examples of teams that managed to overcome it. It also comes into play in what is arguably the most famous play in baseball history, which happened in the 1986 World Series between the freewheeling, cocaine-loving New York Mets And the Boston Red Sox, who here's the thing, were also in the midst of a curse of their own. The curse of the Bambino. They hadn't won a World Series in a long time. And at one point, I believe this was game six. They also had another game to turn it around and couldn't. A routine ground ball, again, gets hit in the direction of the first baseman. In this case, a guy named Bill Buckner. All he's got to do is field that ball and either toss it to the pitcher or run to first base, tag the base, inning is over. And I believe the game would have been over. Instead, the ball just bounces through his fucking legs. The runner at third scores, and the Mets win. And I believe they go on to win game seven also. If there was, I don't think that was when they won the series. I think they won the next game. So that game must have been a big deal because it was like curse versus curse. It was... Well, no, it was actually curse adding to curse. Right, because the Red Sox were already cursed. Right. But Bill Buckner was a former Cub. Oh, shit. And video evidence, which was examined like the fucking Zapruder film afterwards, (laughs) revealed he was wearing a Chicago Cubs batting glove underneath his baseball mitt for some reason that night. You can't wash the Cubs off here. That's the thing. The Cubs, the Cubs touch it, and you and you got Cubs virus. Like, did he not want the Red Sox to win? No, clearly. <laughs> clearly, he was invoking the curse. I was. He just, saw it happen. Yeah. You know, you you walks you see somebody walk on the field with a shrunken head. You would think the same thing. <laughs> you know, it was like a witch doctor move. Clearly, mm-hmm. I'm on board. I've always thought that was such a weird detail. Like, ju- like, just what are the odds? Like, he hadn't played for the Cubs in years. Why did he have that glove on? Yeah, yeah. Sandberg gave it to him. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I love this because it's like you would. I mean, how could you not think anything else? Yeah. Well, there's there's that idea, right? It's again, it's magical thinking. It's and there's probably some apophenia or pareidolia to it. Uh, pareidolia is that what it's? 
when you see patterns and things that aren't there, you know, you, you right. little little coincidences and connections that start to add up, and and it's like who, how much of that is you know us putting that energy into the universe, and how much of that is just unwritten laws of the universe that we don't know how to decode, man. How much time do you have? Because this is all I ever want to think about. <laughs> yeah, I do think there's something to the idea that once an entire fan base gets that sinking feeling all at once, that puts something into the universe, yeah. man. Yeah. The, yes. yeah. It's, 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 it's the opposite of a prayer. We just don't know the right words. So it comes out as this, yeah, well, it's comes the, out as this hum of gloom. Yeah. It's the That's same going to get received. It's the same general principle as a prayer. It's yeah. like, it's not a whole lot different. It's a it negative prayer. Like a prayer. <laughs> oh, Madonna riff. What? That was great. You know, this is basically how I feel about COVID. <laughs> because I, I will say this, like, I feel like there was this general sense over the last three and a half years that was like, we are going, we are moving at a velocity that is going to have to reach some kind of terminal peak. You know, we are getting too, it's getting too crazy. And then here we are. And I just think there's a little bit of something to that. I, I, it, it's hard not to. It's hard not to watch this thing unfold and not see it as some kind of bizarre morality play. And I don't know what if this strengthens it or weakens it, but I feel like both, I hate using this word, sides of the coronas, <laughs> coronavirus quote-unquote debate feel the same way, but just at each other. Like, I, I just, it's it's... The way people work, it's fucking weird. And yeah. Like so, yeah, if you're asking me if I believe that thousands of people across the country losing hope in, you know, <laughs> one per, like one team could fuck you up. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's how it works. I do. Well, especially if there are clear reference points for that, you know, yeah. that, that bummer. Like, I don't think we I don't think you did bring this up when we talked about it. But in 2015, Another coincidence of it is that the the MVP of that series, basically, like the guy that that basically carried the Mets on his fucking back in that series, was Daniel Murphy. Murphy also being the name of Billy Sianis's goat. Yeah, I left one important detail out of the Steve Bartman incident. Here's who I blame for what happened that night: deceased comedian Bernie Mac. Ah, yeah. Well, that checks out. Because the Cubs have this tradition where during the seventh inning stretch, which is the break between halves of the inning uh, in the seventh inning, when everyone sings Take Me Out to the Ball Game, Bernie Mac sang Take Me Out to the Ball Game that night. And when he got to the line that would normally go root, root, root for the Cubbies, Bernie Mac said root, root, root for the champs. And I went, oh, no. That's hubris, man. Hubris. You can't do it. We haven't won yet. Don't call up. Don't say we're the champs. Why would you do that? And then a few outs later, the Steve Bartman incident. Bernie Mac did that. I mean, well, you know. And then he died. I was going to say, maybe the Cubs curse got him. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. The Cubs body count took him down. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, There were a bunch of attempts to reverse the curse, uh, ranging anywhere from sending a severed head to the Chicago Cubs owner, a severed goat's head. Okay. Uh, uh, to Tom Ricketts? Yeah, I don't buy it. I think Tom Ricketts just has goat's heads delivered to him. Yeah, probably. Coming back to, like, weird goat sacrifices. Blagojevich sent him that goat's head. It was part of something completely separate. 
Blagojevich was at a weird eyes wide shut party. That was, a, <laughs> that, was that was a goodie bag. That that was a parting gift. That's what all that was. <laughs> there was a slaughtered goat hung from the Harry Carey statue near Wrigley Field one year in an attempt to break the curse. Same year we got swept in the playoffs by the Diamondbacks. Goats but- are so heavy. Like, so I'm just thinking, like, if you're going to kill something and hang it for, it's just a lot. That's a lot of work. Yeah. And it, you know, they're, they're a cumbersome animal. You know, you, you don't think about it, but they're, they're kind of girthy, those, the goat things. To hang it, I feel like that's a lot. That's it's a just lot of a work. Lot. And it didn't too help. much effort. Here? Yeah, exactly. Just to be a dick. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, they, I think that they thought that they were, this is the thing, too, about magical thinking and about, like, giving too much validity to the idea that, that certain rituals and actions have some kind of uh, uh, unseen consequences is that you, then you get these people. Oh yeah. <laughs> Did you get the people doing the, the weird shit and yeah. thinking that, Oh, this will help. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like in the mist. Everybody turns into Marsha Gay Harden in the mist. Yeah. <laughs> Expiation. Expiation. <laughs> like there really is something going on, but you're making it worse by just being the most authentic version of yourself. Actually, you being who you are <laughs> makes this worse. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of magical thinking, I honestly think that's what broke the curse. I think when the Cubs finally broke this curse in 2016, they came up against a more formidable curse. Yeah, well, they also brought with them two former curse breakers. Oh. Uh, Joe Madden and Theo Epstein. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, you know, we had, you had the, 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 the curse of the Bambino had ended now with 2004. Right. Yeah. So it, it, it comes in just under that thir- unlucky thirteen marker. So you have men ex- with experience with curses. Then you you're you're coming up against a far more cursed opponent. Yeah. It's not just a cursed opponent. It's a cursed city. Yeah. We played Cleveland yeah. in the World Series that year, which no one is cursed like Cleveland, like in sports and in life. <laughs> Why? I don't know about this curse either. This is a whole other episode. Well, aside from LeBron James, who is an unstoppable force all his own and did actually win the Cleveland Cavaliers an NBA championship. That's uh, true. That I, I even know that one. Cleveland just has not won shit in any sport in a long, long time. And even after LeBron won that title, he was like, all right, I'm leaving now. Let's uh, go somewhere oh, cool. Bye-bye. And the Cubs... They play in 2006. 2016 did feel different. For a lot of reasons. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, for political reasons, obviously. But, like, aside from all that, the Cubs felt it felt like a different thing. Like, it felt like, okay, this really is the year where we go to the World Series. And honestly, it kind of started with that first game of the season. Like, uh, Diamondbacks, I, I believe. Uh, just it was just one of those things where just immediately, I don't know. I just had more faith listening to that game and the, even the just the first weeks of the season, and then that never went away. Could it also like, be that people needed a win at that point? 
Like we needed a win that meant more than a win at that time in our lives. Cause that's what it felt like that night. Like for me, like, you know what I mean? Like there was so much going on and I felt like everybody was rooting for them to win. Honestly. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, most, like most of the country was like, we all need, we, we need all, the Cubs to win. <laughs> we all collectively even Caitlin, we all need the Cubs to win this game. It has to happen. Because when it happened, it felt like the Sandlot to me. Like, that's what it felt like. It felt like magic. I was like, oh, this is special. It was. Yeah. It was magic. And, and it and was in true Cubs fashion. We didn't even get to enjoy it for a week. No. Yeah. Literally yeah. less than a week later. Yeah. But the, so the Cubs did make the World Series that year. And the World Series ends up going to seven games. And even in that game seven, there was a very Cubs curse moment where the Cubs were winning the entire game and it felt great. I was actually, I was on tour with Portugal, the man at the time. So I was watching the, sh- the game on their tour bus and the Cubs are winning most of the game. And then I believe it was in the ninth inning, eighth or ninth inning, Cleveland fucking ties it up on a three-run home run. Because of Aroldis Chapman. Yeah. We bring in Aroldis Chapman, the one guy who the entire season I was like, do not make me root for this fucker. Do not make me root for this guy. Do not. I know that at some point in this season, in the postseason, there's going to be an important game where it's going to be me praying for Aroldis Chapman. I should have. I don't want that to happen. And then they bring him in. And he immediately Rajay Davis homers off of him. Right. And I should mention Araldus Chapman uh, is a spouse abuser. I Sp- actually, spouse abuser who recently contracted coronavirus. I actually tweeted Lord. when we picked him up, because it was like a mid-season thing. I actually tweeted that the Cubs finally have the history of domestic violence needed to win a World Series. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and we did. But yeah. yeah. They he gives up that home run and Portugal the man's tour manager Scott I fucking love Scott he's great but he's not a Cubs fan he was just watching the game and at that point it became a good game so he loses his shit yeah he's yeah, like yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. god yeah. yeah did you yeah. can you believe that and I'm like shut the fuck up shut yeah. shut I I was watching the game at a at a I think I think this place is closed there's a bar a Chicago bar in Minneapolis called uh, the Groundhog. And that's where I was watching the game. I'm there with the comedian friend watching the game. He's also a huge Cubs fan. And he's like, whatever, you know, we thought it was going to be a real game, but I'll take, I'll take a victory lap. I'll take a coronation. I don't care. And everyone in the bar was like, shut the fuck up. What are you doing? <laughs> and then, and then I, I'm pretty sure it was the next pitch was Rajay Davis's homer. And so the game goes into extra innings. He tied the game. And so now it goes to the 10th inning. And once he hit that home run, I just, I had that feeling. I was like, fucking, here we go. And then there's a fucking rain delay. And for some reason, when that rain delay happened, I was like, we're going to win the World Series. Like that, that, like our bad thing already happened. That's, that's Cleveland's bad thing that just happened there. I, I did not have the faith that you had at that time. Oh, I was amped. I went out and smoked a cigarette and paced. And while I was doing that, apparently Jason Hayward was giving the speech of a lifetime in the locker room about basically, do we want to be that Cubs team that collapses 
like every other Cubs team, or do we want to go out and win the fucking World Series? And they won the World Series. I'm almost crying talking about it now. I cried on the tour bus that night. Oh, my God. They won the World Series. You have to take into account how long this lasted. It was 108 years between World Series wins. So many people from Illinois have family members who lived their entire lives as just avid Cubs fans who never, who died never seeing the Cubs win a World Series. Yeah, I mean, there's people that would write, write their stories of the guys. Uh, I'm sure that more than one guy did this, but I remember specifically at least one guy took like a radio or whatever, a portable TV or something to his father's grave and yeah. listened to game seven at it like, you know, that's that's what we're talking about. The curse of the Billy Goat was altered and transferred to the Los Angeles Dodgers by me. <laughs> you're the new. You're the well, new, here's what uh, happened. I, I went to a Cubs Dodgers NLCS game in 2017 and the Cubs lost on a walk off hit by uh, Justin, Turner. Justin Turner. And as soon as that happened, This guy who I shit you not had spent the entire game on his phone shopping for shoes. As soon as the Dodgers win, he stands up and starts making eye contact with every Cubs fan he can and going, fuck you, fuck you. And he, he finally locked eyes with me and I was like halfway down the aisle. And when he looked at me and yelled, fuck you, I pointed at my sweatshirt, which said Chicago Cubs 2016 World Series champions. And this motherfucker threw a nearly full 24-ounce can of Tecate at me and missed and hit a fucking baby. The father of this baby briefly thought Jeff threw the beer, which was fine. That part was funny. So then, like, a a fucking argument breaks out between the beer thrower and uh, me and Jeff get the fuck out of there. But ever since then, I have decided... Until that guy finds me and apologizes, the Los Angeles Dodgers are never going to win a World Series. And they have not since. The Tecate curse is real, and it will plague the Dodgers for for as long as it takes them to unbury the school that's underneath Dodger Stadium and the entire community that they wrecked to build that fucking abomination. You know, I don't think LA is going to be happy about much for a while. So, I mean, a curse on top of it sounds good. I think that you're, you might actually be responsible for COVID-19. Me? No, uh, uh, Adam's, Adam's curse, Adam's oh, beer baby curse, uh, because yeah. Yeah. now Dodger Stadium is a testing site, so... Listen, I mean, it is either me or Adam that we know. Well, yeah, it's what I've narrowed it down to two to two of you. Right. <laughs> That's I suppose you're wondering why I've called you here this evening. <laughs> we are the two chief vectors, you know, of, of possibility that let all of this uh, happen. So. I think that's pretty scary. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I did it. We did it. Yeah, we did. Caitlin looks like a Leonard Cohen album cover right now. He really does. <laughs> hey, thank you. I was looks like a shot from an, a trailer for Ari Aster's next movie. So I think that's our episode. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, uh, Andy, for doing it. We appreciate it. 
Thank yeah. you for having me. So what do we have to plug before we get out of here? Follow our Twitter uh, account. I am also on Twitter at Bossy Matilda because I created my Twitter account while I was in college. Um, and that's why that handle's there. So there we go. Andy, what do you got? I'm still alive. <laughs> that's all. That's all I have to plug. I'm still alive. We're moving. I'm moving to another city. Where are you moving? And that's it. Minneapolis, Minnesota. Oh, the uh, little big apple. The little big apple. Yes. <laughs> so there will be more pod to life. Yes. Check out unpopsnetwork.supercast.tech to subscribe to bonus episodes of all our shows or pretty scary.supercast.tech to subscribe just to this show. Go to anchor.fm slash pretty scary and you can leave me and Caitlin a fucking voicemail. I don't know. I think we did get one recently. Please leave us voicemails. Leave us voicemails and uh, you can also tip your co-host. That's a new thing on the anchor.fm slash pretty scary page. There's a button that says support. And if you click that and uh, give some money, that goes to Caitlin directly. I don't get none of it. Holy shit. So do that. I mean, it's it's the right thing. Like, California is going to be shut down for so long. Yeah. yeah. I have a child. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. And I think that's it. Let's get the fuck out of here. Andy, say goodbye. Goodbye. Caitlin, say goodbye. Hey, goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. Oh, my God.